Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? All right, it's great to have you guys with us today. You can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 9. There is a story of uh, some Buddhist monks who were moving a, a big Buddha statue in Thailand, 1957. As they were moving this huge statue, one of the monks realized that this clay Buddha statue had some cracks in it. As he looked at one of the cracks, he realized that it looked like there was gold under there. And sure enough, they began to chip away and chip away and chip away. And guess what they found? A golden statue of a Buddha. And the whole time, this thing had been treated as just some ordinary relic at their monastery. People, the monks, they all had missed the real purpose, the real beauty of this statue. Now, I'm not here to talk to you about Buddhism. I'm not about that here. I'm not here to talk to you about uh, gold. But many times in our lives, I'm going to be very honest with you, we miss the true purpose and calling that God has because we're looking at the wrong things in life. And as we continue this series, uh, it's called The Jesus Diaries. And if you've just joined us, we have been journeying in the Gospels leading up to Easter, chronologically walking with Jesus and walking with these experiences, looking at what Jesus has done. Next week will be Palm Sunday, and then we'll celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But the passage today, we're going to look at a guy who actually focused on the right things instead of focusing on the wrong things when it comes to purpose and calling. John 9 is an interesting chapter. It's full of a lot of meat in there. And what, you, what you've got to understand about that culture in the first century, remember Rome ruled you know, that part of the world, that Greeks, the Romans believed that if you were sick or you were broke, they believed that the gods had cursed you. So anybody sick, anybody who was you know, poor, that the gods had shunned them. And even Jews believed that if you were sick or poor, many of them believed that you know what happened? God had put a curse on you. And that's why it's so interesting to see when Jesus dealt with people who were sick and Jesus dealt with people, they considered them unclean, people who were uh, in poverty, that Jesus came to show them what the true heart of the Father was. So in John 9, I want you to look at that, understanding that backdrop. It says here in John 9, 1, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents? Jews believed also, too, that if you had some type of uh, ailment, disease, situation you were born with, it was a sin of your family and something was wrong with you. And so they ask him this question. Let me just let you understand something that's very important about this passage too. And I hate to interject into your life right now because we're talking about this man's life. But this is super important. Stop trying to figure out why. Why? 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 You, sometimes why will not be answered until the other side. Jesus changes their, his, their perspective here. They, look, look what he says here. He says it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. And then he says something so amazing in their culture, like, wait a minute. Deuteronomy says these curses are passed down for generations, Jesus. Oh, what are you talking about? 
And then Jesus says this. This is so powerful. And I love this because this is your situation and mine as well. He says, this has happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Sometimes you go through things just for the fact that God's power can be seen in your struggle. He says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one, the Father, who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And then this is where it gets really weird, y'all. Then he spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the man's, blind man's eyes. Say, ew, David. <laughs> that was so gross, right? If you're, not, if you're, like, not thinking this gross, let somebody do that to you next time you're sick. We're going to have our prayer team get some mud in the back and spit, and, right? It says this here after he did that. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Someone, someone said he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the one. They asked, well, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. And the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Jesus did something else, too, about making the mud and then sending the man to go wash. He was challenging the Pharisees. Remember, again, in the Torah, you don't work on the Sabbath, and they made up these rules called the Talmud. And in the Talmud, they said, now, this is what it means to not work on the Sabbath. See, Appendix A. If you drag a chair across your, your floor, it's going to kick up dust, and now you've worked, and you've broken the Sabbath. And so he was challenging because he literally went against what they had been taught by the Talmud. That's not the, the Bible didn't say that. The Old Testament didn't say that. That's what the interpretation they had made. And then he went a step further and sent the man to go work, too because he wanted to challenge the Pharisees and their view. You know, as I was even studying this this morning, can I just encourage you about something? There are people that are watching you that don't have good intentions for you, and they're overly critical. They're bitter. And no matter how good of a work that you do, they're always going to try to find something wrong with it. I cannot tell you in the years of ministry there are people waiting for me to say the wrong sentence so they can email me about it. Not looking at everything that God does on a Sunday, but that won't. That. Can I just encourage you, if you're going to do things for God, if you're going to serve God and be leaned into him, just be ready, ready for Christian critics. It's not the world that criticizes me. It's not the people who aren't saved. It's, it's the people who, who are followers of Jesus. And just be encouraged when you're criticized. Jesus actually welcomed it. He said, all right, I'm going for a fight today, y'all. <laughs> not only are we going to heal this man, but I'm going to actually just break down every construct they have of who God values and then how we're going to do it on the Sabbath. Uh, today, we could look in depth about exactly what the mud meant. And can I just tell you, we don't know what the mud meant. 
Because the first rule of interpreting the Bible is only be as clear as the Bible is clear. Does it explicitly say it? And the answer is no. We could look at why things happen to people. But today I want to take a different direction with this passage. Because there's something so simple in here that we can miss it when we overcomplicate it. And it's this. Our parallel with this man. You're just like that guy that Jesus healed. You have so much in common with him. Now, not physically were you blind, but spiritually, you were blind to the things of God. You were blind to the gospel. You were a beggar. You couldn't do anything for yourself. And then Jesus comes along one day, and out of his mercy and out of his grace, he, he heals you, and he opens your eyes spiritually. This man had his physical eyes opened. Could you imagine for him how amazing that was for him? He had never seen a human being before. He had never seen a bird, only heard it. He had never seen a rainbow. He had never seen the blue skies, all the things we take for granted. And Jesus did something so miraculous and so marvelous for him. And Jesus has done the same for you spiritually, that you can now see the world as God has made it. Isn't that beautiful? That when you look at creation, you don't just look at creation, but you look at it as a fact that it's a gift from our Creator. And so today, I want you to understand something super important. And here is the common ground you have with this man. It's called your story. And God wants to send you to tell your story. See, what happened to this guy, if you keep reading and go on and on, the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders who were so angry, kept asking him, tell us again about the story. (laughs) Tell us everything that happened. And then I love what the man at one point says, hey, Like, why don't you go ask him? Do you want to be his disciples too? Oh, that angered him so much because they kept asking about the man's story. Tell us more about the story. So so go through it again. He did what? He he did mud on the ground. And and the guy continued to tell the story. Everyone wanted to hear his story on how God had opened his eyes. And friends, can I tell you something? God wants to send you to tell your story. The pool of Salaam means sent. They said, go wash there. And you'll have your eyes open, and then you'll be sent. We were washed with something greater than the pool of Siloam, friends. It's called the blood of Jesus that washes and forgives us of all of our sins. Amen. And opens our eyes to everything that God has for it. And that's what happened there with this man. See, your story is extremely important. I'm going to share with you today why it's the one thing that can speak to somebody who's an atheist or somebody who even just walked away from their faith. But here's what you have to understand about your story. The first thing about it, your story is how Jesus opened your eyes, as we just said. It's that simple. It's not this elaborate thing where you got to know all this theology and everything that goes into it. It's simply this. Look, you can say to somebody, I don't know about all those things. I don't know about all the things you're talking about and all the objections you have. All I know is, and this is what this man said. The man's like, look, 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 look. I don't know what your argument is about the Sabbath with Jesus and what your rub is with him. But listen, all I know is I was born blind and now I see. And that's your story on how Jesus opened your eyes and how your life is different. The second attribute about your story is this. Your story is messy and muddy. That's what's beautiful about it. Not just the story of you being saved, but the story of you following Jesus and working out all the things in your life. And people people need to hear about the mud. They need to hear about how Jesus worked with you in muddy situations in your life. 
That's why we always, I tell our communicators here at Thrive, the teaching team who teaches, one of our things is you cannot get up here and be a guru. You've got to be a failure. Because people will identify more with your weaknesses than your strengths. Anytime I get with pastors, and I said this, we had about 15 churches represented Thursday in this building. Uh, You guys paid for their lunch. You paid for their training. Thank you for doing that. It's part of generosity. And we sat here, and I told the pastors, I said, the first thing I do when I get into a pastor's gathering, if I meet with a pastor, I always tell them the first thing I'm struggling with and what our church is struggling with. And the walls come down, they go, well, let me tell you what's happening in my life. But anytime you go in as a guru, it doesn't happen. That's why your story is messy and muddy, and it needs to be told. The things that you struggle with, because people will identify with that. And your story is meant to be told. Like, after I gave my life to Christ, um, again, I was in a small rural town, and I was, I was known uh, in that town. Again, I've been in the paper many times for drugs and fights and different things like that, and uh, I was known. And after I gave my life to Christ, I had people come up to me and say, man, I'm so happy you made that decision. I said, oh, God, I'm a Christian too. I'm like, you're a what? I thought, you're a follower of Jesus? I'm like, yeah. I was like, yo, like, where were you at? I needed the gospel. <laughs> I needed you. And the whole time there was like, like you know, there were secret agent Christians. <laughs> and I want to encourage you, don't be a secret agent Christian. People need to hear your story because that is a thing that will change their life. Here's why that is so important. If you don't realize that God's plan is for you to be sent, here's what's going to happen. You're going to end up sitting. If you don't realize God's plan is for you to be sent, you'll end up sitting. That's what the blind beggar did. He just sat all day and begged. And when Jesus got a hold of him, it was to be sent. Now, I want you to realize you're thinking, well, where do I go? We're going to talk about that. We're not signing you up for a mission trip this week. We're not even signing you up to serve this week. However, if you want to, we'd, we'd sure love, love to have you do that. But we forget that Jesus saved us to send us to tell the story of how he transformed us. And that's what will change people's lives. For me, I look back. And at nine years old, I walked away from a bad version of Christianity. I grew up in, again, rural church, southern you know, North Carolina, it was God, the Bible, American pie, and the flag. Like, you know, you just, you just kind of did it. It's what you did, right? You just went to church because of what you did. And I went every week, and I went to church, and to me, it was absolutely irrelevant for my life. I hated going to church. I hated this whole idea of Jesus and God and all this stuff and screaming preachers, beating the, you know, beating the pulpit and screaming at me. Then my dad gave me the option at nine years old, you want to stay home and watch football and play basketball outside or go to church? I said, I'm staying home, never going back. And I walked away from Christianity in my mind for good. But before that happened, my grandmother had passed away that year, and she was the closest thing to me in my life. I had a very tumultuous upbringing. And my grandmother got terminal cancer and battled that for about two years. And I remember riding to Duke University. It was about an hour and a half drive with my mom, who would drive her there, for chemo and, and all the treatments back in that day. We didn't have it locally, radiation. And as we would ride, we had cassette tapes we'd listen to, and I'd lay in the back. And I had G.I. Joe men I'd play with and books I'd read, and then I'd just lay there and try to sleep and, and listen. But, but I'll never forget, there's something that, that stuck with me. 
There's a story of a man named Dave Reaver. If you never have studied Dave Reaver's testimony, thank God we have YouTube today. Go look it up. But this story as a child always just caught my attention that he went to Vietnam, he fought in the, in the war there, and he pretty much got blown to bits. He got just blown up. His face was completely blown off. He lost limbs. He was laying in this hospital bed, and his wife walks up to him. The doctor points out which one because she couldn't tell. And she looks at him. She takes her ring off, and she says, I didn't marry this, and throws it at him and walks out. He said he, he hurt so bad in his soul. He goes on this testimony of how he had to overcome that and how the Lord saved him in that hospital room and how the, the gospel came to him and then how he had a beautiful family and got married and all that God had done to him, what Jesus had done for him. And I laid in there and she would play that tape over and over. And I couldn't escape that. As much as I thought that Christianity was stupid and it was just had no relevance in my life and I don't believe in that junk and blah, blah, blah. The story of Dave Reaver just wouldn't go away in my heart. And then when my best friend gave his life to Christ, I was like, wait a minute. I remember that story. Like, this is what Jesus did. Like, I don't believe in all of it, but this is these people that talk about this is what happens. And friends, I gave my life to Christ because somebody told their story. Somebody told it how it was messy and it was muddy and it was ugly and all that they had gone through. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know verses of Scripture. All you've got to say is, hey, look. All I know, I was blind. I was a beggar. Now I see. And I'm part of the family of the king. That is what is meant when you tell your story. So what does that mean to be sent? I want to share with you three things. What does that mean to be sent? So when you leave here, you know what it means to be sent. Jesus has washed you in a pool. He's washed you in his blood. And he wants to send you. And here's the first thing you've got to know. Here's what it means to be sent. Realize that you're a missionary. I want to read this scripture to you, Matthew 28, 19. I use this all the time for a reason. You're going to hear this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples is what Jesus told his disciples. Each one of you have a calling from God to be a missionary. You say, well, I, I could, there's no way I can ever go overseas that I don't have the money or the courage or the strength, the knowledge. I don't. God has sent you where you are at, at your job, your community, the people you come in contact with to go. And as you're going, make disciples. See, one of our four major values at Thrive is mission, to live on mission. And it gives purpose to your life to understand that, like, when I go to the gym, it's not just going to the gym just to work out. If I go to play basketball with guys, I'm just not going to play basketball. That's a mission field opportunity for me. When I go to the grocery store and I, I keep going to the same person every time, either it's, whether it's self-checkout or they do it for you, because I want to have a relationship with that person. Because I want them one day to hear the story. Your life becomes full of color and full of adventure when you realize that you're a missionary. You, God has saved you to send you, to tell your story. When you leave here, guess what? You have no clue who the Lord and what path he'll put you on. I posted this a few weeks ago that we ordered from Uber Eats. And I ordered, you know, some wings from Uber Eats. And the Lord told me clearly, he says, 
This person needs you to ask them how you can pray for them. And I want you to give them an extraordinary tip over already what you've given them. And I did that. And when I did that, this lady shared that she had stage, I want to say it was three or four, it was ovarian cancer, it was pretty serious. And she says, thank you so much. You have no idea what I'm going through. And I just shared her, just shared, you know, Christ with her. I'd be praying for her. You have no idea what people are going through. That Uber Eats situation was a missionary opportunity. And we'll have hundreds of missionary opportunities this week if our head is on a swivel. Here's the second thing you've got to understand. What is it meant to be sent? Quit trying to find your calling. <laughs> now, I'm going to explain this. So just take a deep breath. But quit trying to find your calling. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 17. And one of my favorite verses of Scripture Nevertheless, each person, who is each person? Say me. That's me. That's you. Should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. And I like this part here. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. See, for me, my friend Eric, who discipled me when I got saved, told me, because, I, I, again, I, I got saved, and I just played punk rock music. I didn't know there was, like, Christian, you know, what is it, CCM music or whatever it was, Hosanna Integrity back in the late 90s. I didn't know that stuff existed. I didn't know it was Christian radio stations and music. I just knew I loved punk rock, and so I just played punk rock, and I skateboarded and did all that. And my friend, he quoted this verse to me. He said, no, man, no, no, no. Walk as you're called. Like, like this, this is who you are. Live this thing out. It's all good. You don't, you don't have to change because church people want to change you. And that's what I did, the situation that I was called to. And I lived that out. And the sad thing is I had church people along the years talk me out of all that to do real ministry, which some of the greatest ministry I ever did was when I was in punk rock venues. And I said all that to say this. We're in this really weird place in Christianity where we're surrounded by celebrity Christian leaders and celebrity pastors that make the focus all about you and your greatness and how to be great. And it really is an epidemic in our society that we're all searching for this greatness, this special, I'm just special, and I have this unique special calling that God's going to put me in front of millions of people. You, you not believe how many times I hear this from people. The truth of the matter is following Jesus most days is not very exciting. <laughs> right? You get up, you make your coffee. If you have kids, the kids are already, you know, I need your help. I need you. I need you. I need you. You're getting things ready. You go to work. You kind of do, it's like Groundhog Day. You do the same thing every day. And, and I think inside of us, we feel like, no, oh, there's got to be like this great thing where like my, my friend and I, do you know what we envisioned when we graduated college? Here's what we envisioned. <laughs> Again, this is a long time ago. We envisioned a helicopter landing on the top of the swell center where we would get our cap and you had our cap and gown. We, we imagine walking across the stage, getting our, 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 our degree and walking to a helicopter and flying to preach around the world. <laughs> like that Matthew 28, 19, go to all the nations. <laughs> we didn't picture it. And it's funny now because he, uh, he has three kids. I have one and we, you know, we're, we're pretty busy in ministry. We laugh all the time about that because we've been at the same, he's been at his church eight years. I'll be here nine years in June. And we kind of just do the same thing over and over and over every day. But here's what I've under, uh, understood and understand in my life. Where has the Lord assigned you? 
I don't like my job. That's where the Lord's assigned you. Like, like God's sovereign. He has these, these, these places he puts us. And your calling in life is to tell your story. Now, check this. Now, your assignment will change. My assignment's changed many times for the Lord. I started off working in a concrete company. I played in punk rock music. I did all that. And then, you know, I've, I've been a youth pastor. I've done this. I've worked at, you know, government work. I've done all types of stuff. My assignments have changed, but my calling has never changed. I had the same calling that you have. Jesus does, doesn't say, all right, there's preachers and then there's junior Christians. <laughs> and I want you to, to really start elevating yourself to understand that you think it's mundane, you think it's boring, you think you have no purpose in life, but you have a calling. Whatever situation you find yourself in, live as a believer as God has assigned you to tell your story. Your purpose has nothing to do with you. It's about someone else. What God did in Dave Reaver, I heard that story when I was a little child, had nothing to do with Dave Reaver. It had everything to do with those who needed to hear the story. And finally this morning, Keep being faithful and obedient to Jesus. That's what it means to be sent, just faithful and obedient. And, and, and look at what it says here. Jesus says, he says, he told him, go, wash yourself from the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seen. Never, never underestimate what God can do in a lifetime of faithfulness and obedience to him. There's a miracle in the mundane of life if we'll just see it. Never. See, we overestimate this silver bullet approach to life where God's going to somehow give us this, you know, platform on a TED Talk one day. And we're going to be shown to millions and become a millionaire. We forget that in life, our job is to be faithful and obedient to Jesus. And when you do what this guy did, as crazy as it sounded, with mud and messy and dirtiness. He was faithful and obedient. He came out with a story. Friends, we're talking about this week, Easter coming up. I know you have invite cards in your seats. I know you think it's just a ploy just to get people in this building. It's not. Somebody needs to hear your story. They're going to give you objections. They're going to say, oh, I don't believe the Bible. I'm not, just say, oh, that's cool. I'm not asking you to believe the Bible. Well, I don't really believe creation was done to say, I'm not, I'm not asking you to believe that. Well, I think there's contradiction. I'm, okay, that's fine. That's fine. You can have, have all that. You can say, look, friend, all I know is Jesus has transformed me. I'm not asking you to believe in Christianity. I'm not asking you to even believe in the Bible. I'm just asking you to consider Jesus because of what he did for me. And there are people who are atheists who are willing to come to church on an Easter, they wouldn't be willing any other time. They're agnostic. And we're going to teach them about what Jesus gives, which is hope. And that's what your story is. It's a story of hope that others need to hear. Have the courage as God opens up opportunities to share your story. Why did God save you? He saved you to send you to tell your story because others are going to have faith in Jesus because of you. Matter of fact, what I love is our campus pastor at Richmond, Mark Thomas, I was texting back and forth this morning, drinking my coffee, going over the message, and just sharing some things with him that God was laying on my heart, and we're going back and forth. You know, he started a podcast called Evangelism on Fire. And yeah, if you've not, you not had a chance to listen to it, go. And here's what he does for people. He helps equip you to tell your story. 
If you had a chance to check that out, check that out. Empower yourself as you go forth into all the world, which means, you know, wherever you live and you keep driving back and forth every day. <laughs> it just sounded more exciting when I said all the world, right? You're like, yeah. That God's going to use you. He's going to open up doors for your story. Here's what I want you to do this week. Are you ready? I'm asking give you one ask. Ask God every day for open doors for the gospel. Just ask him. And here's the cool thing. Here's what God, you know God answers prayer. That's what he's going to do. Every day I ask for open doors for the gospel. And it amazes me that I forget that at Kroger I have an open door. I'm like, oh yeah, I prayed for that. God's going to do that with you. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for cleansing us, Lord, through the blood of Jesus, that we can be fully forgiven. To God, we can have joy. We can see the creation as you've made it, that our spiritual eyes can be opened. Father, I just pray for every person in here today. There are some who are coming back to faith in you. There are some who have never had their eyes open to the gospel, and today's their day. They know it. They're empty inside. They're clinging to other things in life, and it's you they need. Father, I pray for every person in here to have the courage and the open doors to share the story of how you opened their eyes. And Lord, during this resurrection season, may there be people in our path who we are sensitive to. We thank you for that, Lord. We know you're going to do it, Lord. And as we're praying today and for you guys that are watching online and those who are here physically today, this may be the day where you say, I'm coming back to faith. Just like me, you walked away from a bad version of Christianity. And you maybe you were hurt by it. But today you're coming back to Christ because Christ didn't hurt you. And for others of you, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've considered Jesus. You've thought about Jesus. But you've never, never made the decision right where you're at today. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to pray this prayer. Make this confession of faith. You say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. And God, thank you that you sent Jesus to save me from my sins. I believe today that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he is the only way to heaven. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and resurrected on the third day. Now, God, today, I repent. I just turn from my old life and I receive full forgiveness of sins. Thank you, God, for opening my spiritual eyes. Now, God, help me to tell my story. In Jesus' good name that I pray, amen, amen.